This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. This episode of Flyperbole is brought to you by the Thompson and Grant Modeling Agency. Do you need bottom six talent for your department store catalog? Thompson and Grant's got you covered. Folks, we're here tonight. We are here tonight to talk about your first place Philadelphia Flyers. First place Philadelphia Flyers, that's a thing we can actually say. I know it's a share of first. I know they're technically in second due to regulation wins. I don't give a damn. They're in first. Hell yes. Hell yes, indeed. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm going to say they're in first, too. We'll do it. They were in first for about mm, 10 minutes. All right. So uh, that's good enough for saying they're in first right now. I mean, it's all the Rangers' fault. If they just won in regulation instead of being a bunch of jabronis, we would yeah. just flyers being first and it'd be undisputed but instead it's a share of first but I, regardless this is a remarkable place for this team to be i think the expectations i don't think anybody expected the flyers to even be within spitting distance of first place at this point in the season and instead for the first time since i think 2011 is what we determined yeah. the flyers are in first place in the metro or tied for first place and it's it's awesome it's an awesome feeling and, and a lot different feel than 2011, too. 2011 was the exact opposite of what this season's become. 2011 was they should have been able to get back to the Cup. Maybe not get back to the Cup, but they had a really damn good chance, and they could have. Well, they had an incredible first half of the season. Yeah, and then they fell apart, and that was the last time that they had the lead in the division. So this year, though, it's the other way around. They kind of started. People weren't sure if they were good or not. It looked like they were going to have to claw the way they're getting back into a playoff spot, and then all of a sudden they're pushing for the division title and um right now i think they're the best team in the division at the moment which is insane to say it's insane to say in early march considering that also the caps and penguins haven't really had much happen to them this season they're as good as expected and the flyers are right there with them they're in Uh, the toughest division in the nhl and they might be the best team in the toughest division and that's 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 saying something yeah and really it's it's AV's coaching. Uh, Fletcher touched, pressed the right buttons in the offseason. Nobody says touch the buttons. So they pressed the right buttons in Fletcher the offseason. touched all the right buttons. <laughs> yeah. Just a little weird, like, moaning and On groaning his, with that his, little Bill His Clint. sexy yeah. late-night radio show. <laughs> this is uh, Chucky Two Trades coming to all you lovers across the airwaves. <laughs> Chucky with a Y, by the way. Uh, apparently we decided that tonight. But uh, also, I, I mean, it's the depth, too. They just have an insane amount of depth. They don't have... There's not one guy I need to shut down with this team, and the offense is coming from everybody. Uh, I mean, Pitlick scored tonight. Raffle scored last night. And we're Pitlick, gonna I I can't believe uh, he's grown on me a lot. Yeah, I know how much I'm enjoying Tyler Pitlick. Like he had a play tonight where I think it was one where he he set up Grant for a great yeah. chance. Oh my God, the backhanded pass from the boards. The yeah, backhanded pass from the boards. Tyler Pitlick did that. I couldn't believe <laughs> his it. Pass, his the liquor of pits. His pass to set up raffle is ridiculous, too. I don't know. He's, I mean, he's clearly a bottom six guy, but a ton of speed and amazing on the four check. And I feel like I'm never mad with what he's doing. I, earlier in the season, it must have been the 
uh, the offseason injury he had that was holding him back. Because whenever I'd go back and watch him on tape, he was just getting knocked off the puck easily. He always had wrong positioning in the D zone. I felt like he was losing puck races. And now, nothing. I mean, he's just he he's an ideal bottom six guy, I feel like. And uh, I feel like you can say the same for NAK right now, too. NAK is... I love NAK. Yeah. And Full-fledged that... member of the NAKGB right here. That guy's <laughs> awesome. I He had a fluky-ass goal tonight. One that he shot it towards the front of the net from beyond the beyond the line. Just a desperation. Let's see what happens. And the right thing happened. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I also, I do love, too, that that whole play started because uh, Brady Shea just decided to follow the puck to Nate Thompson. So, uh, yeah, Carolina's having a little bit of bad, bad luck right now with their... Uh, their trade deadline additions. Apparently, Vatnay got injured. He was traveling with the team too to Philly and re-injured. Um, what he's been out with since February, and he's going to be out even longer now. So they had Shea mess up tonight. Vatnay's out for a while. It's pretty much just Trocheck helped him out. They JJ they was kind of dunking on all that on the uh, the post game show today, where he was saying like, oh, yeah. you know, uh, they made a. Big splash at the the trade deadline, but uh, you know uh, sometimes that messes with the chemistry of the team, and uh, you got to get used to playing with these guys. It, you know, he's right though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a big reason why I wasn't. We were pushing for not the Flyers not making a big splash move at the deadline, and just kind of I'm fine with the depth ads, uh, especially Grant. I mean Thompson is whatever, but and Thompson's kind of that... like hello. I'm Nate Thompson, and I play hockey, which he's fine. But uh, I think Grant, I think I've seen him involved in only one thing that I was kind of like, eh, he could do a little better there, and that was the, yeah. the first goal in the Capitals game. Yeah, I was going to say that's the only thing that was uh, bugging me. He, he lost that, that, but everything yeah. else, yeah. Everything beyond else that, he's been fun. awesome. Yeah. Um, do you think when Nate Thompson wants to show that he has the upper hand on somebody, he's just like, call me Nathaniel? Like it's a real power move. He's like, no, you don't. You don't get to call me Nate. It's Nathaniel. All right. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll say he does that. Maybe he goes by Nath. Oof. Hello, I'm Nath Thompson. That's hard to say. Right now, he feels like a Nath. If that's the thing, I would put him below. A lot of th noises Nate. in yeah. there. It's it's just too much. <laughs> yeah. Nath uh, Thompson. But I think also just adding the deaf guys was a good thing for the locker room too, because it shows that. AV and Fletcher have confidence in what this team can do as is, and all they need to do was flop, uh, uh, switch out uh, Butterman for for Thompson, and that was it. And Faraby came back tonight. I think he looked pretty good tonight. Faraby should have had a goal. He ha he had three chances from in close, and Delkovich just shut him down on all of them. The one, the one was a cross ice pass where Nodelkovich went from left to right, sprawled out, and got a blocker on a shot that Drew set up Faraby for a dunk. So. He fit right back in there, working on the second line, and um, just they just tonight was I think more Carolina not really coming out with a lot of urgency, but still the Flyers played pretty damn well. Did it had came away in the first period with the lead, and then uh, just went from there. There's really again we've been saying for like last week now. There's nothing to complain about with the team at the moment. I feel like well, and they got a, a big win over Washington last the night. The win over and... Washington was huge, yeah. To come in and play against Carolina, who's had a few days off, and, and they're a well-rested team, and get that win, even though Carolina, their goaltending is all guys that just kind of walked in off the street. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they... Literally in the, the case we discussed last week, but it, it's <laughs> it, it's kind of great to see, if, it's not kind of great, it's extremely great to see the Flyers finally be able to win in these situations, win in all situations, really, 
Oh yeah. Who is this team? What is this team? This is still kind of freaking me out. It's it's been years since we've seen the Flyers like this, and you were talking about the depth. I mean. You got the big guns. Kevin Hayes still continues to impress me. Even the little things, the the puck possession is my favorite thing with Kevin yeah. Hayes. Yeah, he had a ton of puck possession plays against the Caps. He had that drew a penalty after I think two Caps passed him in the neutral zone, and then he almost set up Lawton for a goal. And then uh, even though who was it, Nick Jensen hand on the puck, he still controlled it from the corner to the front of the net and hit the post after he uh, undressed Holtby. So he he always has those plays, and uh, him. Lawton is having an incredible season. Lawton, who's, I mean, uh, this is probably his best season yet with the Flyers, I would think. Especially Lawton leap. Point production. Yeah. Uh, and he's gotten, uh, he had another two-point game tonight. He had two assists. I forget how many, put it down here somewhere in the notes, but he's gotten a ton of two-point games lately. I think that might be his third in, like, the Flyers' last eight games. <laughs> so, well, and, and he's always forward. a factor now. He's always a guy that you're, you're noticing out there. And it used to be Scott Lawton yeah. was just, you know, a fine bottom six forward but he's he's actually turning into a difference maker he's turning into a notable player in all situations and he's a guy i'm really enjoying watching like he's he's flat out tenacious out there yeah and i do think and they're the depth but i think a big part of the depth is because the flyers actually added more talent to the top six too so these guys now you know after watching raffle play on the top line one year and in higher up in the lineup in a lot of games over the last couple of seasons to see him finally slotted on the fourth line, which is where probably should have been the whole time. It seems like he's clicking and he's playing his game pretty well. And, well, and as he, I tweeted at Kurt, when he was making, he was talking about Raffle's success on the fourth line. Uh, you know, remember when he was a first line winger for yeah, some I mean, God forsaken yeah. reason? Like that's, that's just not where he yeah. belongs. And there's, you've got top six talent, you've got bottom six talent. And there's a couple guys who can fluctuate like Scott Lawton, but Ultimately, you want your your Hayes, you want your Konechny, you want your Giroux, Couturier, Voracek, those guys in the top six. And that way you're not forcing guys like Raffle into that role and and other guys of that sort. And it's it's just great to see. I, I think they're really balanced right now. And the fact is most of these guys are also defensively responsible and can play two ways. Like yeah. They're not having too many huge lapses where you're just sitting there going like, Jesus Christ. Like you're just praying for Carter Hart and Brian Elliott when they're in there and saying, what are you doing to him? Like with Steve Mason, all those years, it was always like, Oh God, he's dying out there. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) That is true. I mean, Katoria Hayes, I'd say Lawton and NAK are all pretty good 200 foot players. And I mean, unfortunately Limblom was too. So if he ever comes back, the Flyers have him on the 200 foot front too, but that and the, and also the speed too. I mean, I, I've always bitched about speed over the years too, but the, the addition of a pit lake and NAK is, is huge so far when it comes to the bottom six as well. Um, you remember, remember years ago when the flyers, it used to be the big thing on Twitter was whoever drew Voracek. Like that was the extent, not even like lines. So flyers just wanted flyers fans just wanted one line that could dominate. And, now and we did have, that, and then none of the other guys could do anything yeah, because it was the Couturier-Jeru-Voracek yeah. uh, line, and yeah. it, it dominated, but on the nights where other teams would shut that line down, yeah, none of the other guys could do it. Yeah, that was too, yeah. That was and like now the, they can roll that line, they can roll other lines, and it, it's fine. Like, you can... Scott Lawton, again, stepping up to the plate and scoring. Uh, Tyler Pitlick, stepping up to the plate and scoring. You're not just reliant on Claude Giroux to do it all for you, and that's why it's important to have Kevin Hayes. That's why it's important 
that center depth in particular, the fact that the Flyers can have so many guys in there, go in there, win a clutch faceoff, play defensively responsible down both ends, and you don't even have to rely on Claude Giroux to play center. You can play wing, and just, I love it. It's It fills my heart with joy to see the Flyers succeed like they have been succeeding. I will say what brings joy to my heart, Stephen, is looking at the how the rest of the division is doing right now because uh, it's a little rough for some of the teams in the what a division shame. right that's now. A, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, that's I'm, really a shame. Crying. I'm crying really loud right now. You guys can't hear it, but I'm trying to talk through it. Uh, so the Caps, back-to-back losses, including a 6-5 to five overtime loss tonight to the Rangers. So the Rangers got some help tonight, but the Caps also didn't get that second point. Man, tie with the Flyers now for the division lead. Five goals for Mika Zibanejad. Is nuts. I would have if, goals for if I was the Caps, I would have tried to play defense on him a couple times. You know, they, he had eight shots. Maybe, maybe put a guy on that. Maybe. On Zibinijad, I don't know. So I mean, he is having an incredible season. Uh, it's still, you know, five goals in a game is pretty bad. But like uh, that's, Pittsburgh, that's like Gretzky era kind of. Yeah. Pittsburgh, they did beat Buffalo tonight, and they did beat. Uh, they beat the centers, I think, seven to three on Tuesday. Six game oh, losing good streak. Good for them. Yeah, six game losing streak before that too. Centers though are still the centers. We'll also get to that in a little bit because they're just a well run organization. Columbus has one regulation win since February 9th. Ooh. Uh, they've got. Is that? I didn't back. even know that. Yeah, they've gotten a few wins. It's not like they're two ten and one or something, but I'm but still. pretty sure it's still one regulation win is is not great. Uh, well, also, the fact is, win, if you're. Yeah. If you can't win a game in regulation, that means you're not really dominating out there. And... Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that was the whole thing with Columbus for a while. That was uh, it was Elvis Merzlikens and uh, that other Latvian guy. I don't know. I forgot already. Matisse Kivleniex. Yeah, that was the guy. Uh, just filling in, making saves for him inexplicably, and uh, they weren't driving play. So eventually, the goalies were going to stop having nine fifty save percentages, and it looks like that's what's happening now. Also, all their guys keep getting injured. Um, so that's just that's just the way Columbus's season has gone. Uh, also, I've been saying because now AV's case for coach of the year is getting stronger and stronger. Seems by the day, my two the the two coaches I always throw out there that I think have better cases than AV are Sullivan with the Penguins and um, Tortorella with the Blue Jackets. But if Tortorella misses, if the Blue Jackets miss the playoffs, I think his case goes out the window. I think he should still get the consideration, but I don't think he should win it for a non-playoff team. And then Sullivan, uh, yeah, the Penguins are kind of slowing down here. And for a while, they were doing well with injuries to everybody, and they're still without Gensel, and they had they didn't have Crosby for like a month and a half. But, you know, if they go into the playoffs kind of quietly, and uh, Evie helps the Flyers win the division, I it's going to be tough to not give him the award, I think. I think he deserves to win it in that case. I mean, he almost deserves it for just not being Dave he, Axtall. Yeah, or yeah, or they should give out like the the Bizarro version of that award and just give it to Dave Axtall. Be like, wow, you held this team back this much. That is incredible. <laughs> Look at how good they're doing, and you, wow, that's amazing. Well, it's like the um, Razzies, right? You know, you have the, the Razzies that go to the worst right, movies like, of the year. Yeah, yeah. And the Razzie for NHL coaching goes to Dave Haxtall. Oh, man. Elaine Vigneault coming in and showing him just how shitty he was as head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> a lot of hockey men would be pissed off if some version of the Razzies came out because it would just be all, it would be dunking on all the guys that they love, all the stay at home defensemen that do nothing but block and hit the sarcastic uh, genius award goes to Kyle Dubas. <laughs> 
a fancy stat boy that can't win a cup, uh, Kyle Dubas. Come on down, yeah. Screw uh, him. He's not a genius. He just signed the best free agent. Next question. Uh, <laughs> actually, I, I would like to take a moment to... Uh, Dunk on the Leafs? Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I want to take a moment to actually praise Elaine Vigneault, Big Al, as we like oh, to yeah, call yeah. him on the show. Big Al and the ass crew. We had our doubts coming into the season about the, the ass man over here. And... <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I just made myself crack up just thinking of uh, Cosmo Kramer, the ass man. But I, I, in particular, had a lot of doubts. I thought this was a very mediocre move by Chuck Fletcher to, to go for Vigneault and these two guys who I call, I think I called losers on the podcast. I think you did, yeah. I'm I pretty sure say, I called I them losers. I podcast. Yeah. <laughs> was, uh, I wasn't up. happy. I went on some rants. <laughs> and man, I am here to say I was completely dead wrong. And I am will be the first to admit that. Uh, you got to admit when you're wrong. And I was definitely wrong here about that coaching hire. I, I think these guys have been great. In particular, uh, I think Vigneault has just really balanced this team well. And what they have done with this team, especially the spark of life they've shown in the past couple months, has been nothing short of incredible. It, it's really... Uh, this is the most I think anybody's really enjoyed Flyers hockey in years, I think probably since Yaramir Yager was wearing a Flyers oh jersey. Yeah. And even then, that team wasn't... I mean, that team was good, but it wasn't... Bad. They had a lot happen. They had a lot of things break right for them that season. Like they had Scott a Hartnell! Scott Hartnell had a ridiculous season. Uh, Matt Reed had like a an insane season. A lot, Max Talbot almost had a 20-goal season that year. Briz Golf <laughs> was your starting goalie, and you won a playoff series. Like, there were a lot of things that happened that season. You won a playoff series where he was letting up, like, six goals a game. Yeah. So, like, you knew that wasn't going to hold up. But that was – I mean, that year was fun. Uh, it was the year before that, I guess, when it was like when – yeah. But, when they had a good team. Like, they had yeah, a, a very yeah, good yeah. team that had these dominant nights, and that was probably the last time we saw this, where they, yeah. they would have these dominant nights and they'd take care of business when they needed to. That's the biggest thing. With the exception of that Devils game, where they got blown out for no reason. Like, that game made no sense, that 5 nothing yeah, Devils game. game real bad, yeah. they, they have really routinely taken care of business against the shitty teams when they need to. And oh, they've yeah. had impressive wins against teams like the Capitals and the Penguins. Like, they're going out and they're winning these games that they need to win, these clutch games. And I, the thing is, like, they, they, they went into Washington and they didn't just they didn't just like kind of eke by the Capitals. They flat out beat the Capitals in that game. Oh, yeah. Are you talking about talking about last night or yeah. the, uh, I was thinking of the uh, I was thinking of back to the so the, after that Devils game was when the Flyers went to D.C. and they switched up the power play. And that's when they cranked the, the cap seven to two. But even even the Wednesday game, they had a I got a little nervous because they had their usual slow start. It was a bad start. That first period was just rough yeah. all around. And then they got those, they got like a string of power plays and they weren't really clicking. And then once Connecting scored twice, which we can talk about that in a little bit too. But once Connecting scored, I kind of, I felt like the Flyers were going to take it from there. And they did. Uh, I, I want to go back and talk about the coaching real quick too. Because we did, we did talk about the assistant coaching a lot uh, after the hiring. And I, I was... A lot of the stuff last season, I was cautiously optimistic, I guess I would say. Like, I saw how Yo and Terry behind the bench as assistant coaches, not as a head coach, could work. Didn't mean I was really on board with it, but it's been working. I mean, Terry took a while to figure out the power play, but now it's clicking on all cylinders. And the PK has been a vastly improved from last year and years past. And that 
it's Yo's helped with that. I still think a lot of that is due to Hayes and Niskanen and Braun. And also oh, yeah, definitely. on Carter Armour, yeah. So, but, and, and AV does a lot. It's nice having a coach where there's not one thing going on with the lineup where every fan in unison is going, what is the deal with that? Right, because there, we were all complaining about the same things with Axel. Yeah, it's not like, no, it's not like, like people why, were... <laughs> why is Brandon Manning in the lineup? Why is Travis Sanheim sitting out? Why is Andrew McDonald playing over 20 minutes a night? Yeah. Why is it Vandevelde? It was, and it wasn't, why is you're Chris right. Chris Van in the NHL? Yeah, it was it was across the board. It wasn't like well to give test people versus I test people. It wasn't like people that are heavily on Twitter. It was like every, everywhere you went and talked to people, they were asking the same fucking questions. Why is Dave Haxtell still the coach of the yeah, Philadelphia What is he doing? What is this? And now AV seemingly always makes the logical choice at the moment. And also, well, and I think give Big Al a little credit, or maybe Mike Yo as well. Uh, as far as the, the penalty kill goes, I mean, you did add those guys who have definitely been a big help, but they are more aggressive. They are a lot well, more are, aggressive. Yeah. And that's been great to see as a fan, whereas and... the penalty kill in particular drove me absolutely fucking insane How with Dave Haxtell, where they would just... Yeah. They would just shell up in the middle, wave their sticks around, oh, starfish down, well, we can stop the puck. Instead, like... Don't let Alex Ovechkin set up in the slot to just blast a slap shot, you <laughs> idiots. There is these. I'm having just flashbacks right now, and I'm breaking out in a cold sweat. <laughs> yeah, they used to give they gave every uh, every opponent way too much time and space on the penalty kill. I did, but so they're aggressive on the penalty kill, which are I agree, yeah, and they're also more aggressive now. Games like tonight, uh, going into the third periods. The only example I can think of recently was the Rangers game on Sunday, but that was also a 5-1 game, so the Rangers are going to have some pushback. But when the Flyers are up in a game in the third or tied in a game, they're not sitting back. They're not shelling up hoping they get a point. They're they're still they're going for the kill. They're going for the throw. And I think Finish that's them. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's important in these games too. So he does that and also calling out veterans. He's not like, "Well, this guy needs to pick up his shit." He gently nudges guys to be like, "Hey, you know, I know they're good." I know they can be good. We're just not seeing it right now. It'll come. It'll come to him. He just did that recently with Drew. Uh, I think a couple weeks ago, and he did a lot earlier in the season too. So I you gotta do a better job. He's 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 doing pretty good this year. I'll say that he's doing all right as a head coach. Pretty, like pretty, pretty uh, good. Where were we? Oh, so Columbus. Yeah, the whole one regulation win since February. Islanders are currently on a five-game losing streak, and they just lost to the Senators. I couldn't have seen this coming. You know, who who would have thought that this Islanders team filled with spare parts and whatever <laughs> might have been lying around the island that is long would be failing at some point in the season? Now, I mean, who would have thought Barry Trotz alone could not propel the team the entire season? Now, I'm going to hold off dunking on the Islanders just yet because... I mean, I'm not declaring them dead, but I'm oh, yeah, still no. going to dunk on them, like... I think look, there's I'm a trampoline in front of me, and it's in front of the basket. So of course I'm going to take a couple dunks off the trampoline. <laughs> I was going to say I think I I can see them. I can see the Flyers winning the division, and then their reward being the Islanders dropping to the second or the the top wild card, and then that's when Varlamov decides to like get his shit together and like steal a series or something dumb. I feel like the Islanders are going to they they still have that one really annoying stretch of games coming up still. So might be the postseason. I don't know. But yeah, the whole 
quote unquote defensive system, I guess, where they just get shelled every night in terms of puck possession and uh, just have goalies save everything uh, might be a little faulty, but it is Barry Trotz. I don't know. We'll say. But anyway, fuck them. It's Long Island. Um, the Rangers, 76 points. They snapped their three-game losing streak tonight. I still don't think they're going to make it. They have, they've played two more games than the Islanders as well. So, uh, and then the Hurricanes, four-game losing streak, uh, and now they've lost five of six. And they seem pretty banged up, and they seem to be, they might end up being the odd team out here. Uh, which would suck, because I thought, I really thought they are going to have a better season. Now it seems like, not even oh, necessarily wow. bad goaltending. It's like, just Well, uh, I mean, it, yeah, it's bad. not bad, but I think they've gotten lucky with the goaltending they have, because I don't think they have good goaltenders. Yeah, well, I think, and that, but that's the way Carolina's built, is pretty much just like a, the entire team, except for the, they they're trying to win without goaltending, I guess. Like the, which you've is seen a team do tragic. that, and it, it didn't work out for them. They were called <laughs> the Flyers in the last three years. Yeah, but the Hurricanes are better than that. The Hurricanes are definitely better than whatever the hell the Flyers have been well, the last couple years. Great, but they still, it's are they though? Are they? Because they're in the same spot those Flyers teams were in. I mean, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. I thought they kind of lucked out. Oh, well, see, I think that's where we're... I think last year they were the same type of team, and then Peter Morozik was like, okay. Like, that's the thing is they but don't... But it's Peter Morozik. I don't... Oh, no, no. I'm I, think, I think when you are putting all of your your kind of hopes and dreams... Like, let's say you're the village. You're a village, okay? And uh, you've got this one... You've got this one horse that's going to take all the, the goods that you're going to sell your entire village's future is staked on this horse. And you choose this, this busted up horse with a, a wonky knee. And you're like, go horse, go. <laughs> and that horse dies. So you're saying, Peter, Morozik I don't know what the, the fuck I'm talking dies. about here. <laughs> but listen, so I'm, you're I'm saying... ca- I'm calling Peter Morozik a horse with a wonky ass knee. Okay. So you're saying Peter Morozik is a horse that, the Hurricanes upper management needs to old yeller behind uh, behind PNC Arena. Is that what you're suggesting right now? Is that where we're going down? <laughs> Listen, they just need to go to the, down to the racetracks, okay, <laughs> and see if they can upgrade the horse so they can save the village with selling their fine wares and goods. Yeah, so my point was, I think... Now, listen, I don't know who's selling. I guess maybe James Reimer is the salesman riding the horse. I don't know, but it's all faulty. (laughs) I was just going to say, I'm I'm pretty sure they're just focused on putting the best 18 skaters out there, and then they expect to win with replacement-level goaltending, I guess. Or just not, like, bury a big contract into whoever's in net. See, you say replacement level, and that's where my biggest issue comes. I don't think he's even. I don't think these guys are even replacement level. I think they're below it, and I think that's where their fault lies. All right. I mean, you know, they were doing all right until both their starting goalies went out. Do you know what I mean? Like they they were, but they were doing all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. I I mean, I mean. Th- it still would have been better than whatever the Flyers were the last couple of years. That's what I'm saying. No? <sighs> okay. All right. Uh, but that's the way the division is looking, and uh, Flyers are uh, tied for first right now. So Hell yeah. Uh, that, yeah that, so. That, listen, yes. This is a day to celebrate. The Flyers yeah, we don't need to worry about crawled out of the muck in the no, mire. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to argue about the shit-ass Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? The Flyers are tied for first. The Penguins suck. 
No, the Penguins are doing all right. They're still hot on the Flyers' heel. It's going to be a hell of a race to see who finishes one, two, three in the Metro. Yeah. Uh, What makes me happy is the Flyers have separated themselves from the pack, though, as far as the the Blue Jackets and the the Islanders and the Hurricanes. Not, you know, quite far enough, but they've gotten some separation, and I like that. I like that they're not amongst that grouping anymore. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And also... Yeah, the, the big thing now is it, it, it does look like it's just going to be not even the wild card spots. It looks like the Flyers may just need to focus on home ice advantage now. And looking at, so they would have to clear, I believe the Islanders are in the second spot. They'd have to lose out 12 points to the Islanders from here on out, pretty much. Which, I that's that would take a pretty bad streak of luck to lose all those games and have the Islanders gain that much ground or have all these teams keep gaining ground on you too. But with the way the Hurricanes are set up right now, I mean, I and the Blue Jackets, I expect the Blue Jackets are dropping off a little bit too because they've played a couple more games and they're just, they're injured. <laughs> Their goaltending isn't uh, God tier as much anymore. So, And as uh, I've said before, name five Blue Jackets. Guess what? You can't. Yeah, and if you can, they're all injured right now. So that's pretty much what the deal is. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Flyers looking pretty good. What doesn't look good, if can I make the segue here, Steve, are you ready to? You may, yes. Uh, you have my okay. permission to make the segue. Yeah, uh, I didn't mean to take a break in that show. Much like JVR broke his hand, evidently, in DC last night, blocking a Jonas Sigenthaler shot uh, with 9.17 left in the first period. Just went out to the point to block a shot, hit him in the right hand. Uh, now, you, the broadcast. Now you have to, you actually do have to clarify though. It, it wasn't his hand that was broken; it was his finger. Okay, I was gonna say that the broadcast said finger, but everybody has been reporting hands. Uh, so. Dave Isaac record uh, reported finger uh, earlier uh, okay. today. Let me. I'm gonna pull up the tweet. Just okay. For, yeah. Okay. Then uh, uh, let's get the... sake. And I, I know Albert won't accept this reporting because it's from Dave Isaac, who he believes doesn't support the troops, but. Uh, I find him a, a fairly reliable source. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um... Listen, this is these are common inside BSH Slack jokes. Uh, okay, so guess what? Uh, I can't find it. I'll find it later. Okay, so broken hand, broken finger. He is out four to six weeks, so he's out for the rest of the regular season. Probably misses part of the playoffs, quote unquote. If the Flyers make it, they will. Probably now. Um, but out four to six weeks. Uh, ironically, 66 games this season, 66 games last season. I said at the end of last year, I'd expect him to break 25 goals again uh, if he kept generating and producing at the same rate. But it would just be his shooting percentage would drop a little bit. Looking at his stats, he had 27 goals on 167 shots last year, 16.2%, and 21 assists for 48 points. This year, 19 goals on 151 shots, so he shot 12.6%. And 21 assists for 40 points in 66 games. So I think he did Dave Isaac from five hours ago, Flyers clarified JVR's injury. It's a broken right index finger, not the top middle of the hand. Broken right index finger. Okay. All right. And that could even be something uh, you might be able to push through that in a playoff game. Like that might be something he might come back for the playoffs rather than. Yeah. But I I think the nice thing I I, I'm going to miss him, especially because I, I think he has come on better in the past couple months, once the, the coaching staff and him kind of, they kind of recognized each other, right? They kind of figured each other out oh, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's okay. yeah. Once that happened, it's definitely been better, but uh, I'll, I'll feel bad for JVR. But at the same time, like I do feel like they have the depth to 
survive something like this right now. And I agree. I, we were talking about Grant earlier. I think he, the way he's playing, and uh, you might say his shooting percentage has been pretty high this year, and that's why he scored so many goals. But <laughs> whatever, you're gonna ride the hot hand, ride the hot hand, and he. Oh yeah, ride that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know what? He might have a high shooting percentage, but that kick pass he did in Washington to TK. That kick pass was yeah. That kick pass was nuts. Or no, I to Hayes. Know. Not to, it wasn't to TK. It was to Hayes. Yeah. That was a thing of beauty. So if he can do stuff like that, then, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm still going to miss JVR, but that'll definitely help fill the gap right there. Yeah. And also, I think the big thing is it just opens up the door for Joel Fairby to come back, uh, who, again, had plenty of chances tonight. Um, and he fits in on that. He will be a middle, middle six winger on the left side. So I think the JVR injury, yeah, it it's hurts a little. Uh, and he has been having a better season than I think most people will give him credit for. He just hasn't been finishing as much, but he's still generating the chances. And if he plays like this next season, again, the luck with the shooting percentage should swing back his way. But Faraby, and I like that Faraby's in the top six too. Uh, I like that he that AV put him on a line with Hayes and connecting a lot and dropped down. I kind of thought he might put Faraby on the, the third line to start, but Faraby moved up into the top six and it looks like he hasn't missed a beat. And also, like you were saying, Grant has been killing it. So a third line of Lawton, Grant, and Pitt like, really isn't the the end of the world. I mean, this has been the bottom six of Flyers have had, the best bottom six of Flyers have had in a minute. And uh, and again, JVR, like, where would you rank him in terms of if one player couldn't afford to be hurt for a Flyers in a playoff series, where do you think JVR would rank on that list? Like, I would put Couturier, Provorov, Niskanen, Hayes and Hart. And I put Giroux, like, yeah, Giroux. right after that group, if not in that yeah. group. So. so I mean, um, and I would still probably put. I think I might even. Put, I put Konechny above JVR for sure. Yeah, connect and Voracek. I, I think I would put Voracek above him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have him pretty middle of the pack so, and highest. So, I would still yeah. even list some of the the defensemen. No, so even. exactly so like it's he's it's very a, middle of the pack i i wouldn't call him expendable but he's he i'd prefer to have him but i wouldn't say he's one of the crucial players to this team's success like yeah if the flyers were to get bad or they were gonna get one unlucky injury right now i'm not really torn oh, up you're, you're just yeah you're, <laughs> i thought you were gonna dwell and talk about which one i'm like oh you're just asking oh, for it now, pal. <laughs> if you wanted one are you gonna flyers forecast the shit right out now. of this right now oh no, god no like we should stop. No. Flyers forecast. Flyers are going to lose the rest of the regular season. That's my Flyers forecast prediction for the rest of the regular season. We'll see how that we'll see how that pans out. Check out that in a little bit. But uh, Farabee also only played one game when he was in Lehigh Valley. Uh, plus one shot on goal last Friday in a 5-3 to three win over the Charlotte Checkers, who are ironically the uh, – not ironically, they're, they're the Hurricanes AHL team. So Isn't it ironic? Uh, <laughs> Don't you, little Lambs, more set me right now. We're trying to – don't you think? Talk, I guess. <laughs> it's like, okay, so the Grant, I think Grant's looked pretty good so far. I was gonna, that was gonna be the next thing we talk about. Uh, Grant Thompson, I think, I think he said Thompson's best play was tonight, the pass to NAK. Like, that was the only really that, uh, he got fed his lunch by Tom Wilson, which again, yeah, it was not, it was I mean, pretty. he at wasn't really ha- at least that fight. At least no. Body Bag got a few shots in there when he fought him. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah Hag got a couple shots in, and he did initiate the fight. Hey, Thompson obviously didn't want anything to do with that fight, and I, I really don't blame him. But still, that's like the biggest thing he's done 
so far. Uh, and he got an assist tonight. Uh, his assist on NAK's goal was his first point as a flyer. Uh, before that, he had zero points, two shots on goal, and nine penalty minutes of four games. I just – he just seems slow to me. And the, like I was talking about speed earlier, I feel like he's just slow in support plays. Uh, he's slow in getting out of the zone or opening up passing lanes while the team is trying to move out of the defensive zone. I feel like he's just slow on the penalty kill at times when I watch him. Just slow. That's all. That's yeah, my no, big but plan. I, I don't like slow. I don't like slow. I, don't I like, like when the team's yeah. fast. And I, I, I've Again, seen enough slow flyers over the years. I don't need any more. <laughs> yeah. Again, if he – if he ends up being the 13th guy and he has to come into the playoffs and he just blocks a couple shots on the penalty kill in the playoffs, fine. But I hope he's not even the, on the I roster. I don't think he's going to be regular. Not, not rather on the roster, but like an active player for most of those. Oh, games. yeah. Like, no, no. I hope he's eating those flyer shaped pretzels up in the, <laughs> the press box. I think he, and I think he will be once uh, JVR comes back down. Like they. I think that might happen. But uh, And Grant, too. I think he's looked fine. Grant's quicker, so he's fine to me in that sense. And also he's got... He's quicker. He seems like he has better hands. <laughs> yeah, he's got... I feel like he has a lot better hands. And also he just has a knack for just driving to the net and looking to create plays that way. Um, well, you were saying it, too, when we were talking about the, the trade deadline. You were saying you thought Grant was the better pickup then. Oh, and yeah. I, I think it's definitely been the case after a couple yeah. games. And Grant's been a guy, too, who... Uh, you know, nothing about his numbers stick out except for this season when he has 15 goals now. Um, he's got five points in five games for the Flyers. But he he was a guy that when you would listen to Ducks fans or Pens fans that used to watch him, it was he he did a lot of little things right. Or there were a lot of plays that I guess you, you're you not going to pick up on if you're not consistently watching the team. Like, I guess now Pitlick would be a good example of that. Uh, and we've seen it so far in just a handful of games. So not going to get... I'm not going to lose my mind yet over the addition of Grant, but he's, to me, he's been a little better than advertised. And if he is able to, I believe he was on the second power play tonight. So if he plays in all three phases of the game and does well in all three, uh, that's a pretty good, it's a pretty good addition at the deadline for Kyle Quisquillo and a Chris Quolo. I think that's how you say it. It doesn't matter now. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Kyle, like, Chris, your ass. Goodbye. Kyle Chris flying across the country. That's what I'm going to call it. Yeah, that's right. Somebody add him. I don't know. Uh, but he had, yeah, Grant had back-to-back two assist games, or two-point games still. Uh, and he had a goal and an assist in New York. His pass on the raffle goal in New York, too, the short-handed goal is pretty good, too. Yeah, uh, he's got really and, good chemistry with Michael Raffle so far, of all people. Yeah, well, that's a good thing, too, because they'll probably spend a lot of time together in the bottom six. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the fucking kick pass last night was... I think he meant to do it, too. I've watched it a bunch of times, and I think he... Oh, I have no he, doubt in my mind he meant to do it. Yeah, like, he's, if you if you want to be a hater, so you can say that he was fumbling around there and the puck coincidentally hit his gate, but I think he intentionally timed up the kicking motion with the puck going to Hayes on the side. I didn't he, even he know there were haters uh, on this one. I thought no, everybody... No, I, I think it was like Anton Carter was, or Anton Carter or Keith Jones was trying to say that it was an accident last night on the broadcast. And I also, don't think I, anybody who watched that game besides them, like, thought okay. that was. I, I, should I, I don't know. Also, I talked to a bunch of people and, it, like, they were all like, that was an awesome pass. Like, yeah, I should probably not listen to NBCSN as my main source of people's opinions. That's probably not the way. That's probably a bad call on my part. So, eh, that's, whatever. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, though, like, it, I thought that was a great play. And, Props to Kevin Hayes for get. It, it's a slam dunk open net, but how many times have we seen guys miss these slam dunk open oh, nets here? Yeah, like yeah. It, it was just a, a breath of fresh air to see Kevin Hayes just slam that home. Like hell yeah, 
That's Grant a fist also, pump right there. I think on uh, earlier before that goal, Grant I think had a kick pass on the power play to Hayes too. So I think that should dispel. Somebody tell Anson Carter that. Somebody get to whoever made that comment last night and let them know that Grant meant to do this. That's what. That's, that's the only thing. We'll get him on the show and, and debate it for 45 minutes in the fly perbly <laughs> style. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Anson Carter on the show. That's fine by me. Uh, so I just mentioned the, the Hayes dunk, by the way. And because we, in that same game, we had the Travis Konechny controversy where uh, that he had that puck that he shot towards the goal and there was that whole scrum, he shot it in, and Konechny celebrated, but then they reviewed it and said it was no goal, and the problem was it went into Braden Holpe's chest, and Braden Holpe went behind the line, but you didn't have a clear visual on if the yeah. puck crossed the now, line or not. Okay, so where do you, do you think, do you think that should have been called a goal, or do you, are you fine I'm with I'm 50-50 it? on that one, to be honest. Like, I'm I, kind of okay with the call, like, I totally get why the refs it. would make that call. But at the same time, as a Flyers fan, like, yeah, I want to see that be oh, a freaking goal. And I I also, yeah. there's a little, it's a little bullshitty, but I also totally get why the refs made that call. Yeah, it's an, it's annoying and bullshitty to an extent. And, but I still, I guess, uh, I don't know if this, it's the contrarian view, but I still am fine with them needing definitive. Because I feel like if you open up the door for them being like, oh, we know that puck went in. You're going to get a lot of non, you know, somewhere in this postseason or next postseason in a game seven, some guy's going to throw up his arms. Goalies are going to point as a goal, a goal on the ice, and they're going to go to ready review. And it looks like it's going in. It's not definitive. And they'd be like, well, there's not anything that makes it obvious it didn't go in. And then someone's going to get rewarded a goal on a non goal play. So I'd rather just be. That's how cut. society loses and chaos wins, Craig. <laughs> That's I feel like an NHL referee just they just love chaos. They just want to do you know some shit's gonna go down with this player tracking stuff. The uh them putting the um the chips in the puck to like player track and puck track. Something's gonna happen in the postseason. But we'll get to we'll also get to that in a second. Yeah. Um but uh what do we let's do uh talk about this defense. Talk about this defense it's uh lighting the lamp. Apparently the most the, the Flyers defensemen have combined for 44 goals this season, which is the most for a single defensive core in the entire NHL, which is oh wow, kind of insane. Kind of insane considering that the guy that you would picture would be leading this charge, or at least second, uh, has had the worst season of his career and is at the moment an afterthought on the blue line. Uh, and yet the Flyers are at the top of the league when it comes to producing from the blue line. So I just wanted to... Go down how many goals everybody's had, whether or not this is like repeatable or how they're getting to these goals. So the the guy that's leading the charge right now is Pro Ralph. He has 13 goals, and what um, a goal he had tonight! The the goal, the goal tonight was Carolina best. Yeah, I mean Man, uh, that that was like tenacity there, but he also had a really nice move to get around the goaltender. Like man, that's everything you want to see from Ivan Provorov. Yeah, 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 yeah. and um. And ironically, I think that was one of the few times he's actually gone to the net this season. But uh, for the for these goals, so yes. right because most of the other goals have just been like he's just been sniping for the most point. part. <laughs> yeah. So coming into tonight, he had uh, twelve goals on one hundred and forty three shots. So he's shooting at eight point four. His career high is seventeen in twenty seventeen eighteen. Going to be. I don't think he's going to quite reach that. But I mean, still thirteen in the season is is pretty good. And uh, I mean, seven, that shows that the seventeen is not a fluke, if anything. Yeah. 
I agree with that. And that, there were questions about that back then. So, Oh, um, yeah, there were definitely questions. Like, it was a hell of a season, and then he followed it up with not such a strong season, and you were kind of like, yeah, it was, uh, hmm. Yeah. I mean, those contract conversations, a little less interesting, but I don't think we are I don't think we have any problems with Pover off right now. Uh, so, oh, no, I have none. Yeah, I, none at all. I just, well, I just have to say, like, I think, man, you want to talk about somebody who stepped it up, somebody who has just had an incredible year after a lot of questions – especially after the, the contract he signed. And if he's going to play like this for most of the contract, that's a great deal. Yeah, it's going to be. And if they can keep giving them guys like Niskanen throughout, they're, the Flyers are going to have a top pair for the foreseeable future. So, uh, And so now he's got 13. Seven of the goals are on the power play, which is huge for him because coming into this year, he only had two power play goals uh, over his career. Um, he's been pretty much he's just been drifting shots through traffic on the, uh, on the power play. That's pretty much how he's, uh, he got power play goals against the lightning, the sharks, the sabers, hurricanes, Islanders, Maple Leafs and devils, because he just got the puck at the point. saw a path of the net. He could drift it in there and he was able to get it in there. Um, I also want to point out, he does lead the league in power play goals, which is a little insane. Uh, Latang's got six and six players, uh, Jacob Chikrin, Drew Doughty, Zach Wierenski, Miguel Sergeant, Mikhail Sergachev, Brent Burns, and Alex Petrangelo all have five. But I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. And the thing is, and I know because the whole Mika tweet is still going around about how they tweeted out how Provorov uh, hurts his team on the power play and all that stuff. And, you know, it's kind of hard to argue that when he leads the league in power play goals among defensemen. But I still wouldn't mind saying I'm on the top pair. The thing with Provorov is he's usually scoring these goals – or he's not really utilized that much to help create a goal on the power play, if that makes sense. So, like, I, I guess Sandheim could be a better option, but at the same time, I'm not going to really lose my mind if they're keeping Proverov on the top pair and he leads the like he's apparently doing pretty good on getting the puck in the net. Right. It, it's hard to complain. It's hard to complain about success. Yeah. Um, and then looking at some of his other goals were just he. They're all just incredible shots, pretty much. Uh, the, the goal he had against the Caps was he got in the open space and sniped it. Um, against the Panthers, he had uh, he eluded one Panther and was able to curl a wrist shot and beat Bobrovsky. Uh, scored off the rush against the centers. And then once again, he was able to put a shot through traffic against the Golden Knights. Uh, I, I think I would say this is probably his second best goal of the season because even though the Hurricanes completely fucked up that play and the Delgovich didn't stop the puck behind the net on Grant Clear, two Hurricanes defenders in the corner. I think one was Slavin couldn't get Lawton. So even though I think the Hurricanes were probably more at fault for the play because Grant's dumping wasn't stopped behind the net by Nadelkovic, and then Slavin and um, I think it was Edmondson were in the corner missed the play to get let Long get the puck. Provorov still made a great play to even put the shot on net and then went to the net for his own rebound. And then also, he still might have the goal of the year. I know that was early in the year and a lot of people – may have just remembered it now but that overtime winner against the canadians was fucking phenomenal coast to coast between the legs embarrassing carry price like it a lot of elements do best goal of the year and i think it has kind of been forgotten so far but uh anyway so he's leading with 13 niskanen has eight which i thought was shocking but it's his third season with eight goals or more uh he had he had eight or more last year in D.C., and he also had ten. He had eight last year in D.C., I believe, and then he also had ten back with the Penguins in 2013-14. Nissanen uh, has been such a a pleasant surprise for me. Uh, yeah. That was a move I was critical of, just like Vigneault. I, I thought he was cooked. I thought he was done. 
I thought Gudis was fine. I feel very, very wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, in the Niskanen one, too, I was just... There were a lot of red flags, or what I thought were red flags. Like, why would the Caps trade a top four defenseman in division for a third-pairing guy? Why are the Flyers eating Gudis' salary? Why are they... All this stuff, and Niskanen has kind of... It was a move where him and the Braun additions were moves. I could see how they could work out, but at the time... For me, the mentality was, this is the Flyers. Of course, this isn't going to work out, and it's going in the opposite direction. So, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy that he's definitely proved me wrong in my original opinion. Yeah. Uh, but eight goals and 124 shots. And Provorov is a lot of just having a ridiculous shot and being able to drift it through traffic. This guy is more about setting himself up for his teammates to give him a, a getting in passing lanes to set up dunks for himself from teammates and also just crashing the net for rebounds. Uh, examples of this, he's got four power play goals this season. Uh, two came from him just going to the net for rebounds. That happened on Sunday. NAK created the power play goal. Uh, he took a shot that hit the post, went right to Niskanen at the other side of the net. And then also in that horrific loss to the Jets where Joel Farabee ended up getting suspended, 7-3 to loss in Winnipeg earlier in the year, uh, he crushed the net on a rush chance and was able to backhand one past Tellybuck. Uh, and then him just shifting around the ozone, creating uh, space for passing lanes. Uh, scored a power play goal against the Sabres earlier this year. It was that incredible pass where Hayes was swinging towards the left wall. Niskanen slid through the right circle, and nobody, nobody paid attention to Niskanen at all. So he had an open net. Uh, also snuck down for a cross-ice pass against the Golden Knights in Philly from Konechny earlier in the year. And then also another pass from Konechny, that really terrible loss in Calgary, the first bad loss, first loss of the season, first regulation loss. That was horrific. Uh, late in the game, there was a delayed penalty. The Flames weren't paying attention, and Niskanen bolted to the slot and slammed home a Konechny pass. So his is more – he's utilizing more hockey IQ, and I think that is uh, – I mean, it makes sense for Niskanen because I don't think he has the, the – I don't want to say the greatest shot. He doesn't have the hardest shot, and he's not exactly a guy you turn to for a ton of offense. But he, given time and space, he will position himself for slam dunks and whatnot. So that's how he's scoring goals. Uh, Sandheim, eight goals on 107 shots, 7.5 shooting percentage. Had nine goals last year, shooting 7.4. Two came on the power play last season, zero on the power play this year. I think that's he's pretty impressive to have eight goals with zero on the power play for a defenseman for a defenseman. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty damn good. And also when he look, I, cause I went back and I looked at his goals. Almost all of them are just individual efforts that were, were bonkers. Uh, I mean, he had that two goal games against the Rangers and against the Bruins. Uh, the Rangers won. Neither were, like, uh, I guess all him. But the, his second goal against the Bruins was he just circled into the zone, went around the net, had a wraparound attempt denied, grabbed his own rebound, and dunked it. And that was that was all him. Uh, crashing that for a rebound against the Panthers earlier in the month. Uh, did the same type of thing against the Hurricanes late in the game, tied up to get a point during that horrific road trip. Uh, took a puck around the net, left right, came around, and I beat and beat, I don't know, probably a boy Morazic or Reamer, whoever was in at that time. Uh, and he also uh, game back on in early November. He did the same thing against the Leafs where he swung out to the right, threw a puck on net. And somehow I watched it again. I didn't understand it at the time. Puck, he shoots it on the right side of the net. He circled on the net. Rebound is on the left side of the net. And somehow he was the first one 
around the net and grab his own rebound and put very lethargic, less exciting version of what Keith Primo did years ago. <laughs> but he did it. He did it, and I think he's, I think he's the best uh, blue liner, especially right now on the team of just, uh, just getting goals from scratch from the blue line. Uh, I would say he is probably the most dangerous. Uh, I, it used to be Ghost. I guess Ghost can still do that, but I still not too worried about when we see Ghost next. I guess I don't know. I, right now, I, I don't really. I'm not really pushing that. Whole, don't mess with success yeah. right now. Yeah, I mean, right I'm, now they're I'm as big a Ghost there. fan as you're going to find, and yeah, and also I, having, I don't want him in there. <laughs> Let's just I, keep honestly, rolling like we got it. Yeah, just keep doing what we're doing. And honestly, Hag, again, I mean, he had a bad play tonight for the goal against, but he's been doing fine. I, I feel like he's been fine outside of that. Like, I, I liked him stepping up for Drew the other night, too, because Tom Wilson was being a D-bag. And that was a great – I like that illustration of Tom Wilson's night and the argument of you don't need to respond to his bullshit because he tried to hit Drew in the numbers after he cleared the, uh, cleared the puck out of the zone, whiffed on hitting Drew. Hag fought him. Had got a couple punches in, and then Wilson won. And then uh, Wilson decided to yell at Drew when he was going off the ice. And then he didn't, uh, I think he had an assist, but didn't do much else in that loss. So just let him yell. That's all. That's all. Let him yell, get some penalties, ignore him. There you go. That's that's how you handle Tom Wilson. That's my opinion. Uh, Ghost has five, but which is kind of my whole thing with Ghost for this is the Flyers could have even a bigger lead in terms of goals from defensemen, if he had a normal season or even just a below average season, it's kind of incredible that the Flyers are at the top of the league without him contributing to this count that much. Again, he only has five. So, and given, really I'll be honest, given how we talk about a season and all that, I'm shocked. It's that high. I am too. Uh, like I did, I didn't realize he had five and 41 games. So, which kind of, I think just speaks to his potential again, but we got to fucking see that potential again in the NHL. So, uh, Myers has four, 77 shots on the season. So he's shooting four, 5.2, not on the power play. Scored a goal in three straight games back in mid-November. Has one goal on 67 shots over his last 42 games. So, looking at how Myers plays, looking at how aggressive he is in the offensive zone and willing to take chances on the rush or just pinching, I'm thinking he probably gets another couple before the end of the season. Because, again, uh, one goal and 67 shots, you're due for a break. Due for a couple bounces. And his one goal over that time, too, was a break because I'm pretty sure he banked it in off of, uh, what's his nut, Andrew Peake on the Blue Jackets who had a fucking game in that home-and-home back in Philly. But I would expect him, and I would expect him to have even more goals next year. Like, I don't think it would be crazy if Myers had 10 goals next year. Once he starts figuring out when to attack and when to retreat when it comes to uh, pinches and whatnot. So, and then Braun and Hag are not guys you'd expect to contribute much, but they each have three. So, uh, Braun's got three on 66 shots, had two last year in San Jose, and then Hag has three on 36 shots, shooting 8.3%, was shooting 4.4% coming into the season with eight goals on 180 shots. Also recorded his first power play goal of the season in garbage time against the Panthers, which I thought was a pretty good play. Uh, give and go with Raffle, blow the goal line pass. Pretty. It was real pretty. Uh, and I think part of why – I was laughing at the 36 shots, but he also has decided to – I think he's decided – he's become better at deciding when to shoot the puck or when to pass it. Um, and that also might just be a different system with uh, AV. 
thinking about it because again with Haxels, whenever a defenseman got the puck, it was throw the puck on that immediately. So oh my god, yeah, and he averaged so Hag averaged one point two seven shots per game in twenty seventeen eighteen, averaged one point oh five last year, down to zero point seventy eight a game this season. So again, that goes a long way in people that don't like Hag, uh, me. Uh, if he holds onto the puck and doesn't shoot unscreened shots from the point while Drew, Katori, and Voracek are out there, hey, I'm going to like Hag a little bit more. So again, he's been he's been playing fine, just looking through uh, how the Flyers got all the goals on defense. Uh, also, I believe Montreal is second in the league. They have 42. Their big guy is Weber, who has 15. Uh, Rangers had 41. Oh, Weber's got 15. He's had – that's the thing with the Canadians this year was and why they were surprisingly not anywhere near the playoffs. I thought Weber was having an all right season. Uh, Price was having an all right season. Uh, and and Domi was having a good season. Like all the guys that they needed to kind of have good seasons were doing fine. And then – but also I, I was going to save this for the uh, – around the league. But apparently Claude Julian staying there for another year. Uh, that was a report that came out from uh, TVA. So that was somebody I thought – I thought that would be a place that uh, Brujot would go. But apparently they're out of the running. So it's kind of interesting, too, because, again, the Canadians, I, I think, should have been better this year. They should have been more in the range of, like, where the Hurricanes and Rangers are right now, in my opinion, than even further down the, the list. Uh, Rangers had 41, D'Angelo had 13, and Shea was second with eight. So now he's not there anymore. He's just handing goals to the Flyers. Uh, and then Luchak is at 39, Wierenski at 20. Blues had 39, Petrangelo 13, Pareko 9, Dunn 8. Again, the I'm there's a lot. I feel like there's a lot of similarities right now between the Blues of last year and this year's Flyers team. So I'm not trying to pump the tires on the whole winning the cup thing this year. But uh, Predators 38, Josie has 16, Carolina has 37, Hamilton has 14, yada yada yada. So there you go. That's... Yeah, uh, just scanning this list, the only thing I really wanted to comment on is Washington's got 25, but Carlson's got 15, so Literally the rest of that nobody. defense has contributed <laughs> nothing. That is Literally a group project where there's one person leading the pack and, and nobody else is doing shit. One group project where the valedictorian is trying to help a couple guys that flunked out the year before. That's pretty much what's going on there. That's what oh, that so, so the valedictorian got stuck with the football players. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what that is. Soon to be valedictorian, I guess. I don't know if he can. Yeah, I don't remember what the. Anyway, you want to talk about Ron Hextall? Or you want to skip this whole thing? Let's I let's briefly we... talk about the Hexy interview yeah. because it, it it's it's interesting to hear some of it, but it's kind of all what you'd expect him to say. It is, yeah, and um, yeah. I mean, looking at it now, it really is. So pretty much what it is, but he just. Hexy I mean, did an interview with uh, Kevin Kurz from the Athletic. He is the uh, the San Jose Sharks writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And essentially, it's just you know about everything that happened with the Flyers and everything, and what he's been up to. And the big thing is Hextall just comes down to like wishes he could have finished his process and and seen his plan come to fruition and all that and. that's the main point of it. And I think we've spoken at length about Ron Hextall and his process and what worked and what didn't work and all that. And uh, I, I, I'm one of the more forgiving people with everything that went on. I know a lot of people really kind of loathe what happened with Hextall and, and loathe what he, he did to this team. I think, I think there are some things that really worked about it, like clearing out some of the crap, 
And then I think his record with getting NHL ready players was pretty abysmal. Yeah. Oh uh, no. Yeah. That's the number one thing that Chuck Fletcher has been better on to this point is his, his record with the NHL guys has been a lot better. I mean, you just look at, at Hayes alone. Hayes has been a fantastic signing. Uh, the Pitlick acquisition has worked out a lot better than we anticipated. And the early reviews on Grant are good. Niskanen, Chucky two trades has has done a really nice job with the NHL level talent. And, but the thing is the guys Hextall drafted uh, for the most part are, are starting to look pretty damn good too. So, you know, there were Hextall drafted, had a great eye for young talent and he really did a great job building this farm system back up, but again, could not get NHL ready guys to save his life. Yeah, you're right. And I think so for, to me, I think, I liked some aspects of what he was going for. I did like the being conscious of the cap space, building through the draft, not handing out big deals, and just kind of building a franchise from within. With that said, if he was still here today and the Flyers had to go through last offseason and last season, I don't think the Flyers would be where they're at at this moment. However, the cap space he created, the young players he drafted and pretty much have helped get to the NHL that are now here that a lot of people, I guess, aren't going to really chalk up to him like NAK or Sandheim and guys like that. If, if he didn't have that much cap space when he left, the Flyers wouldn't have been able to add guys like Niskan and Hayes and, and Braun and kind of be where they're at right now. So I, it was a thing where I think he had to go at the time he had to go. It was an abrupt firing and it was, Shocking to me. I, I don't know how Haxtell still wasn't the one to go down. I guess they ultimately, he just ultimately wouldn't fire Haxtell. And he was really into the one to keep trusting the process, which was fine. But I I'm, I always thought he was going to be the Flyers at Wade. Uh, and it's looking, you know, not jumping to conclusions. Yeah, it's looking a lot like Ed Wade right now. I but mean, he is, yeah, I was going to say, Chuck Fletcher. I, he had, he does press the right buttons. Like you just listed off all the additions he made with Fletcher. I'm, I think I'm going to start becoming not as hesitant or upset about some of these grand Thompson are guys that like if Haxtell was still here, Thompson would be a guy that would never leave the fourth line. And Thompson the would be the but, second line center. Right yeah. Now. Like it would be, but like with AV and Fletcher, I feel more confident. And if something's not working, something's not working and they know it. And also, Fletcher's made enough of these minor moves now where I'm starting to feel just more confident in who he's bringing in. So I'm not going to question the Pitlicks and the Grants as much if they're coming into the system with the right fit and they're, and they're working well. I think the two biggest, like Thompson is still, it's to be decided, even though I'm, I'm already swinging fully towards, I'm fine with him being a 13th forward. But who, what's the other biggest complaint right now? Is it, is it Stewart? And I, like, I forgot about Stewart. But like, okay, exactly, because Stewart wasn't a problem. Like, they brought him in, he played a couple games, and then eventually they were like, "Well, this isn't, this, this is not fucking happening." And right. now where, whereas, yeah. whereas with Hextall, you had guys like Dale Vis, the Dutch Gretzky, and yeah. Valtteri Filppula, and uh, Boyd Gordon. Just, and of course, you know, I know Hextall didn't trade for him. And there are reports that he drafted the contract. I, I still blame Paul Holmgren for the contract, but uh, <laughs> Andrew McDonald and his perpetual state as a Philadelphia flyer 
that kind of stuff is just, you know, that stuff really. No, I completely fucking forgot about Andrew McDonald. And I'm just, it's crazy. He's the guy we talked about incessantly. I was going to say, I would say, things feel so good. What what is it like? I would say maybe 50% of the Flyperbole episodes out there discuss at length Andrew McDonald's shittiness. Yeah, and it's just because he was that. He just was bad. I'm. So, I know he's a nice guy and everything. I don't fucking care. I feel like I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm not getting paid six million dollars a year to fall over the ice and embarrass myself. He's like, bad. He, he got a ton of ice time, and he was a leader on this team. And he was kind of the symbol of really what what we did not like about those teams. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, and unfortunately that goes into the whole thing about. You know the. I, I was trying to explain to one of my friends about uh, where how Drew might be looked at after his career because he's going to end up being he's going to end up being second behind Bobby Clark in a lot of major franchise records. And when you look at Bobby Clark, what do you think of? You think of Broad Street Bullies. You think of Cups. You think of those old jerseys. You think of the the fall game in Buffalo. You think of them going up at Boston and beating them at Clark Jump. You think of all. You think of how great those teams were. And when you say Claude Drew, a lot of people are going to be like, well, those are the fucking McDonald years. Those are the teams that couldn't right. win. That was the biggest lull in franchise history. Not you think about Claude Drew, Drew, you think about, oh, yeah, the guy who wasn't good enough for Team Canada. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah. But Chris Kunitz was. Chris Kunitz, yeah. Definitely wasn't because he was uh, buddies with Crosby or anything. It was definitely joke. Joke. You know, Looking at this now, this was a uh, this was kind of a, a fluff piece, but I do want to talk about. I that need this team. I need this team to win a goddamn cup for Claude Giroux. Not necessarily this year. Yeah. I mean, I would love it this year. Don't get me wrong, but I need before Claude Giroux retires, I need him to win a goddamn cup in a Flyers uniform. Bill, yeah, Bill made a pretty good point about that this week too, where he was like, uh, when the Phillies won and the Eagles won, it was about you know it was about me, Bill, Mons. and then. With the Flyers win, the person he's going to be happiest for is Claude Drew because he's been through it all. He's been through some shit with this team. Yeah, I mean that's he's so. kind of the the Jimmy Rollins of this team, where Jimmy Rollins had been yeah. through a lot. He Jimmy Rollins, the one guy who had been through like all the thick and thin for the they rebuilding with the Phillies. As, a, as an Orioles fan, I of course don't. I'm still you know thinking about that Brady Anderson. Pepperell was fine, but it's it's always been Jimmy Rollins for me. Jimmy Rollins was the guy yeah. and. He he ate a lot of shit from this town, frankly. So did Pat Burrell, yeah. but I don't know. I feel like Jimmy Rollins got all that like lazy shit and all that, you know. And he had a tough relationship with Larry Boa. Was, I mean, I think they they eventually came to the place of mutual admiration, but it, it was rough going for a little bit. And you know, Rollins would always get that. You know, it was like, ah, oh, he's walking out the fly ball crap and all that. You know, like yeah. It's just, I don't know. I thought Jimmy Rollins dealt with a ton of shit, and he was one of the guys I was happiest to see win that World Series. And yeah, it's very similar to, you know, I, I that's how I would feel for, yeah. for Claude. I, I wasn't really like, I was never like, oh, Pat, Bur- thank God they did it for Pat Burrell. No, it was, it was Jimmy Rollins for me. So that's that's how I would feel about Claude Giroux. Did you, I didn't really think there was one for the Eagles. Uh, I was gonna I was gonna throw right one out there, and then I thought about it, and I'm like, no, not really. Who the Eagles you? one was just for the city of Philadelphia because yeah. like Doug Peterson had just started with the team. Uh, Jason Peters, maybe. 
I thought, uh, and but he Bill didn't even like, get on the field for it, so I don't know. Yeah, Bill said uh, Brandon Graham, which would be the best case. But when I when they won, I wasn't like, "Fuck yeah, Brandon Graham!" Like, if right, Clark, right. If I didn't even win, think that. I was just like, yeah. I think, "If they uh, win, I want to see like the first thing I want to see is Drew with the cup, and I would hopefully assume you know breaking down, getting uh, mod by his teammates." But like, yeah. Brandon, I think Brandon Graham's whole thing. I thought I'm happy he had that play that. I'm happy he has the best play in Eagles franchise history because I, for years, whenever somebody said Brandon Graham, it was just, well, Earl Thomas. Earl so kind of hard to have that response now when he won your fucking Super Bowl. So glad the idiots got shut up then. Let's talk about these numbers. <laughs> or if you want to, you want to move on? You want to talk about these games? Uh, let's, I think we're good on the games because we're, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. we're running pretty long already. So uh, um, I think we're I, good on the games, but in summary, you know, Hextop, mixed bag, and uh, I hope he, uh, Finds a good opportunity to, to prove himself again. And uh, best of luck to Ron. Uh, no no ill will from me for Ron Hextall for trying something new and, and clearing out a ton of cap space with the Flyers and uh, drafting yeah. some really good players. Yeah. Again, I, I know people were pissed off during the time, but I, I, I knew what he was going for. And I was I was pretty bummed at the timing of the firing, but now it looks like if they didn't fire him to go out and just immediately make a run last year. It was to keep the prospects and picks and kind of add on to what he had built. So, yeah, I think I thought he was going to go to Edmonton last year. I thought that would have made a lot of sense. I mean, the Ducks. Yeah, but instead they went with the fucking Red Wings. <laughs> yeah, the the Ducks and the I mean, the Ducks. And I don't know if Kurz was trying to do this because he wanted to uh, to get the Sharks angle. But the, the Ducks and the Sharks might be two options for him to be uh I know Doug Wilson is there, and he's been there a minute, but... Well, yeah. Talk about two franchises that need to move on from their past and, and rebuild entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, you want to talk about uh, general manager meetings? And, yeah, uh, the third So the biggest news from the general managers meetings to me was they're not going to change the uh, the e-bug rules, the emergency backup goalie rules, because the uh, the Maple Leafs lost to a Zamboni driver. I think that's a good stance from the league. Not Suck to, it, uh, Leafs! Not to always coddle their uh, your biggest franchise, but I'm proud that they stood up and said, "You know what? No, we're not going to change rules because Austin Matthews didn't score on a Zamboni driver." I think that's good. Uh, and then I another big change was apparently they're looking into changing uh, part of the offside rule. So if I'm interpreting this correctly, uh, players are gonna it's going to become more of a breaking the plane situation, not a skate up in the air for an offside review. So you know now a lot of calls a lot of goals come back on really not borderline but like really really tic-tac calls of like a guy's left blade is a quarter of an inch off the ice while the puck so like they're i think with what they're trying to do is limit the amount of reviews and the amount of goals come back for all sides by just saying that a player wasn't entirely in the zone nothing kills the game more than an offsides review for a goal like it is just the most oh, demoralizing yeah. thing as a hockey fan. You're just like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's pretty, it's pretty annoying. And again, it is one of those things where technically they're doing the right thing by making sure they're getting everything right. But at the same time, good lord, there's got to be an easier like, and more effective way to do it. And it, unless it feels it's like egregious. This unless yeah. it's egregious, I don't give a shit. If it's ticky tacky, it's fine. But if it's like, oh, I don't know, the 1980 Islanders and their Stanley Cup winning goal. <laughs> then it's egregious. 
just pulled that example out of nowhere. You know, I was I, I haven't thought about that at all. I was going to talk about the uh, the Daniel Beer one again, where he was. Uh, I mean, that one was bad. They should have called that one back. Yeah. Oh, it was very bad. And I hope any Penguins fans that are listening to this uh, niche Flyers podcast, I want you to know I still enjoy that goal to this day. You can oh, tell yeah. me it's illegal. Yeah, it's like going back to the Eagles again. I mean, you know, Philly special is illegal as shit. Doesn't mean it wasn't the greatest five seconds of my life. You know what I mean? What do you mean so, illegal? Yeah. Uh, uh, salary cap expected to go up now at 81.5 for this season expect to go up to 84.5 to 88.2 next season so 84.5 they're not gonna fucking um, and then the what I thought was interesting and I wanted to uh, throw this out there the player and puck tracking will start in the NHL postseason I pulled this from um, Kyle Cantian from Yahoo uh, apparently They've also been testing it in a couple games this year. He said, quote, uh, apparently Frank Sarvalli noted that uh, the new puck has quietly been tested in nine NHL games in nine different NHL arenas since early February, with testing continuing 11 more games up until the end of March. So apparently uh, something going to roll for the postseason. This should, I'm believing this should help with the connecting situation from last night. So instead of relying on just video review, they can see where the puck actually traveled to. And if the entire puck went past the goal line and didn't get lost in Holpe's equipment before he decided to move back up to the goal line. So I'm excited to see that. And also I'm excited to see the player tracking because for years now, uh, the response to people not paying attention to advanced stats is, well, the player tracking is coming. So I want to see how many people are just really fucking lazy or if some people are actually just excited for new information. So I'm excited to see that break out. I'm going to use the shit out of the player tracking stuff. People are very lazy, Craig. Public. Yeah, I know. I just, I, I, I want that excuse to be gone. I'm excited to see where the, because uh, then with the player tracking, it's like, oh, well, that doesn't paint the whole picture. It's like, really, it doesn't? Because it's showing all the movement and the puck movement and it doesn't get much better than that. But anyway. I mean, you've made... Uh, three quarters of a painting for me, but what about that last quarter? <laughs> this doesn't show hack blocking shots. Like it, it'll become a whole dumb thing. Um, Where's the blood? <laughs> and then <laughs> looking at, uh, I was looking at what Dan Rosen was talking about. Uh, the biggest thing I pulled from his article was they're talking about the idea of no line changes after your goalie freezes it. So quote, speed of play was another topic. Encouraging goalies not to freeze the puck was one of the possibilities debated with the suggestion that the defending team would be prohibited from making a line change after stoppage from a puck frozen by the goalie. I like this idea a lot because it rewards the attacking team for being able to pin the opponents in their own zone and cycling. I, and I think it's a good way to increase scoring. I think it would be like when they added the no line changes for icing. I think it's a good way to catch teams that are getting uh, – abused by the play like the team that's just spending a lot of time in the defensive zone just surviving it helps lessen their chances of getting through that and rewards a team that's kind of taking it to them that's interesting that that definitely takes away some of my strategies in uh in nhl <laughs> if that happens <laughs> you're you guys are gonna get pretty winded <laughs> i'm very concerned about the video game implications of all these rule changes thank you <laughs> Oh, yeah, that is true. They're, oh, I don't know. It's NHL. They kind of, EA's been uh, pretty bad with fucking uh, NHL over the last couple of years. So don't ever look at some of the other club names on EA SHL because boy, oh boy, are they uh, racist. So I'm just going to throw that Ooh, out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not good. Uh, yeah. So EA doesn't really give a shit about the hockey game anymore, in my opinion, is what it feels like. Uh, Rosen also talked about penalty changes. Uh, quote, the framework of some penalties 
We're also discussed the ability of referees to be able to review an infraction before assessing a major penalty was one option presented. There was also debate about making certain infractions when committed during the five minute overtime period, a one minute penalty uh, would be assessed instead of two minutes. So I kind of, I don't know how I feel about a one minute penalty, uh, but I don't like it. Whatever. Yeah, it feels a little weird to just, it feels like it's getting too, I don't know. It feel, it makes it feel like less of a professional league if you do too one cute. minute. Yeah, like, yeah, I guess that's, yeah. Well, and I still said it also over time, so. Who the hell has time to get a power play set up and get In significant shots? Yeah, well, <laughs> honestly, the thing is, like, number one, it doesn't even matter about the NHL implications because when you play with the sped up uh, time, it just doesn't, it just flies by anyway, so your, penalty, yeah, your power play screwed. No, but uh, for real, like, when you're watching a power play, right, like, the whole thing is it's that two minute endurance and one minute. It's just kind of like, Oh, it's over. Yeah. I, I don't know how that would really be. Like if you got a power play in overtime, you would just have to, you'd have to hope you won the face off. If not, it could be by the time you get the puck back from your own end and set up in, in the zone, there's going to be half a minute left. <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that one, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, this week, uh, the Senators suck because they're Senators in general, but also I was laughing at their firing of newly hired CEO, Jim Little, uh, who they hired back on, what is the exact date? Uh, he was hired on January 10th. He was fired on March 4th. Uh, and according to the team, they said, quote, the decision was made as a result of conduct inconsistent with the core values of the Ottawa Centers and the National Hockey League. What, he get into like a lift and complain or something? Well, uh, according to Jim Little, uh, his response was, quote, I was looking forward to helping the team in the city and the Ottawa Centers. I wish the employees, the players and coach as well. They all deserve our support. The statement made today by the team contains some language that deserves some clarification. On Valentine's Day, a lover's bad apparently, the owner and I had a personal disagreement over the approach that I have been pursuing. I am a strong-willed person, and the disagreement included me using some very strong language with him over the phone, including swearing, which he did not appreciate, and for which I later apologized. It was these events, to my knowledge, which led to my dismissal. Any other inference from the statement is wrong. Right, because so, the, the statement kind of just sounds like, oh, man, this guy is out there, like, snorting cocaine. and It leaves it open to the it leaves it open to the interpretation that he pulled a Bill, a Bill Peters type thing when apparently Jim Little just cursed and then Eugene Melnick was he like, pulled oh, off I his can't. boss. That's all. He was like, oh, I can't. I can't. I can't be having that. Yeah. And then he told uh, off his boss. Started. He got pissed off and he told him off. That's that's yeah. what happened. Yep. And Which if, I, it, if my boss was Eugene Melnick, I, I would probably do the same thing. I think most of us would. So uh, we stand with Jim Little uh, during these times. Hashtag for Jim Little. Uh, and we're uh, that's why the Senators suck, because Eugene Melnick is going to uh, is going to he's going to nix the shit out of them. He's going to James Dolan the shit out of the Senators until they uh, until they're somehow even worse. But uh, I do want to Bobby Ryan had a. Uh, a pretty nice story recently with them. They had a hat trick in this game coming back from, uh, from rehab. I thought, I think that's like one of the bright seasons the centers have had this season. Yeah. That, that was very spots. cool. Like that was a, a rare yeah. bright spot in a, a very, very dark center season. Uh, great for Bobby Ryan. I, I'm really happy for him. That's uh, I, yeah. I know he said the guys had like kind of a, a tough run in life overall. I mean, I know he's a, a yeah. an NHL player and, 
a professional athlete and all that. But I mean, if you've ever read his backstory, like he, he definitely had some, he's had some tough things happen to him. And, yeah. uh, it, it's great to see him be able to, to come back from this and, uh, have a night like that. Great story and, uh, nothing but the best to Bobby Ryan. Hopefully he can, uh, continue, continued success to Bobby Ryan. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I just want to see him actually play on a competitive team again. Cause, uh, yeah, I mean, he was good. I, I wish he had gotten more runs with uh, with teams that actually had a chance to win, and not the uh, not the Senators. But that's neither here nor there. It's time for the uh, it's time for the batch update, Steve. And apparently, we have a unique batch update because it was the Women Tell All episode of the Bachelor, which again, unfortunately for us, signifies that the batch update is coming to a close. Which Oh boy, I don't know if my wall can take that hit right now, but we'll we'll focus on that after the show. <laughs> um, uh, but getting into the batch up, you ready? Are you ready for the, uh, the analysis? You know, I'm always here? ready for the batch update. Yeah, good. Uh, here it is. Quote, this week was Women Tell All, where past contestants come together in front of a live audience and hash out some spats that occurred over the season. Later in the ep, Pete comes out and talks to some... Late round contestants, the Women Tell All F is always sort of like the Pro Bowl before the Super Bowl. Uh, that being said, the beginning of the F starts with the last rose ceremony of the season. Pete gives Hannah Ann a rose first, fairly unceremoniously. And there then you he go. Asks, <laughs> yeah, here, here's that thing. Uh, and then he asks Madison if she'll accept the rose. She doesn't seem too pumped, but says yes. Pete asks if she's sure. She, she says, yeah, I guess so. A lot of love. Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. It's like accepting a, <laughs> you get a job offer and you don't really want it, but the money's better. So it's like, uh, I guess. Uh, that sounds, uh, you, uh, is that a familiar position for somebody on this podcast? You know, think not, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I, I did get, a... I, I did get a job. Actually. Yeah, that is oh. kind of, I did have a job one time many years back that I, I accepted an offer and I was like, I really don't want to do this, but I need a job. <laughs> I was unemployed, so I was just like, well, I need a job, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's, uh, uh, but it's a very similar, like, I guess. I guess we'll do this, whatever. I guess, yeah, you'll possibly be my soulmate, but it's it's cash. It's, yeah. So I, I guess going off these, uh, based off this paragraph here, and always forgetting the people that are involved, uh, it sounds like Hannah Ann is still in the Pete. Pete's more interested in Madison. But Madison is not a big fan of Pete. That seems like, uh, based on these interactions from my uh, from my brother's view, it, sound, it sounds like uh, it sounds like uh, uh, Madison's going to get asked to be married, and she's going to say no. That's going to be my guess. So when I spoil the bachelor for everybody, I'm sorry. Uh, two notable commercials. This yeah, is apparently. I'm not sorry. I don't give a shit about the bachelor. <laughs> this is. Uh, I, d- I like that we have a blurb here about commercials. Two notable commercials aired during the ep. Uh, one was a casting call by The Bachelor for Seniors. Sounds like a gross spinoff, but considering the franchise is about to... Gross spinoff! <laughs> uh, does a- not care for seniors. <laughs> ...to air a spinoff where contestants decide if they're in love by only communicating through singing. It's not too bad. What fucking show is that? I, I guess they have to find an a gimmick for everything because they, so there's too many of these like gimmickly like the, just the gimmicky love... reality shows in general right because like there's well, the, guess, what is that yeah. love is blind you were going to mention yes love is blind and then they had another one that they were doing on fox i think they tried to run it after the super bowl i don't know why it was on my tv why I'm don't they just combine why don't they just combine the shitty mass singer with shitty love is blind <laughs> and the shitty bachelor into one just shitstorm. 
and everybody comes out feeling disgusting. Like, can you tell I don't like reality television for the most part? The one, I was just thinking of the one, I forget what it's, it was like First Dance or something. It was on Fox. These people don't know what they look like. The, The other one looks like they don't know their names. They don't know what school they went to, all this kind of shit. They come out, they do one romantic dance together that apparently they were training separately for. And then they leave, and then they ask them, and they're like, well, what was that like? It was like, oh, it's a rush. I was like, yeah, you dance with a stranger that apparently you want to bone. Like, of course there was a rush. It doesn't mean anything. All this shit. Like, they're just going to keep running out all these crazy-ass ideas, and then, I don't know. Love is Blind. Have you have you looked at Love is Blind? Have you watched that yet, Steve? I have not watched apparently, the show, but It's number I one have... on Netflix, apparently. So I've heard about the... And now you can tell these things, because Netflix has rankings, but... Uh, I've heard about the concept and I've seen like a clip and it, it's something. Yeah. It's, like I, it, just these, these people in these, these pods talking to each other. And actually I'm not even sure I saw a clip. I think I just saw an SNL sketch parodying it. And I turned to my girlfriend and I said, is this a real thing? <laughs> I want, what I want is eventually somebody to break through and then, just do like the divorce version of these shows so like love is blind is people that have to sign their divorce papers but they don't get to see each other or like what's this one where they sing to each other it's like they're singing that they're getting divorced i just want to see the opposite of it i want to see more more of the pain and not really the, the what so bullshit love. what if to win love is blind you have to actually like burst through the door like you have to use like you have five like tools in the room, like the Kool-Aid oh, bin. Oh, you, oh, 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 I, was, I was initially thinking like the Kool-Aid bin. You're just like, <laughs> you're like, I really need to see you. I, you're the one. I know it. And you just go, ooh. <laughs> I am loving my cup for a prop tonight, by the way. But first <laughs> through if, the door, and you're like, all right, let's get married. I. Sure, sign me up. I'll, I'll watch that more than Love is Blind right now at the moment. I was going to say, now that I'm thinking of it, Love is Blind should fuck with their contestants and just do the... Well, they would probably ca- catch on to like if they had their ex-significant other in the next room because they probably know their voice and everything. But that would become a whole... I mean, we're just... We should also, again... Wait, that's what voice changers for. All right. So, okay, so let's get cracking here on Netflix. I mean, you took friends away, and you're taking away office soon, so i got to watch something just to get, get that cracking. Uh, let's see what else is here. Oh, uh, that wasn't even the whole... The other one was an ad for Volcano Live, an ABC event where some, bro walks, some bro walks over a volcano. Excuse oh, me? Hold on. Let me, let me finish this, and we're going to dissect it. Volcano Live was on Wednesday night. But I decided to watch the floors smash the caps instead. Caught the highlights though, and it and he made it over the volcano. I'd say I made the right decision. So yes, because <laughs> oh my god, Volcano Live! That's the name of the goddamn show. Like, what did they spend like two minutes like, uh, coming up with that one? Why don't we just call it Volcano Live? That's brilliant, of course. Why wouldn't yeah, we call it Volcano Live? That's oh, definitely... I was thinking Lava Bro. I was thinking uh, Magma Man. This is definitely like an ABC like staff meeting at 4 a.m. Fucking everybody's hitting, just hitting, hitting a dead end with ideas. And then one guy's like pinching his nose between his thumb and index finger. He's like, oh, f- let's, dude, uh, volcano. Like He's going to walk over rope? a volcano. Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't a see bridge? It. I'm guessing he didn't walk over the lava. That would be my guess. I would say he, I, tightrope, tightrope should have been, it, that would have been national news, I feel like. 
I feel like that would have been a big deal. I can't believe I'm Googling this right now. <laughs> it was it. a tightrope. It was a t- Okay. Like, a, uh, did he, he walk back? Like, did he go across and then he moonwalked back or is it just a one shot type deal? Yeah. He moonwalked back. He did a somersault on the tightrope and, uh, and then he Spider-Man his way to, to safety. <laughs> I can't wait to see Volcano Live too. Uh, the redo where he does have to moonwalk across the, <laughs> across the fucking tightrope. Volcano Live, I just love too that they didn't even put an effort into the title. They were just like, they they know they know what this is about. They know what they're getting. Yeah. If you name a show Volcano Live, there's only a couple things. <laughs> I mean, what what are they going to become to live to a volcano? I mean, I mean, it could just be live footage of a volcano just uh, erupting and going like, everybody's in severe danger. Uh, they should evacuate, but here's the majesty of nature right here. Isn't it wonderful? In all of its horrifying glory. I just I just want like, a check that announcement being like, uh, yep, or there's maybe... another volcano. Just oh, wait, wait, wait. I got a much better idea for what Volcano Live could be. So you know how like one of the recent network TV fads has been to, to do a live musical? Yes, I do. So know that. you do a live musical of the movie Volcano. You know, yeah. the one with Tommy Lee Jones, where he has to go around LA while LA turns into a volcano because of seismic activity. <laughs> I think it should be for for the young kids listening to this, in the the nineties, all right, in the nineties. The big fear was that the earthquakes in L.A. were going to destroy California in some way, uh, either in California breaking off from the United States, uh, see Escape from L.A., where it's its own island and Snake Plissken has to surf his way out. This is a real movie. Uh, or you could have Volcano, where the streets fill up with magma and they then put a bunch of uh, concrete traffic dividers together to to trap the magma and keep it from destroying the rest of uh la which we all know is uh definitely worth saving yeah no gotta keep la around because they keep making love is blind for netflix and stuff so it's, oh my uh, God. What, a, what a world i thought you were gonna say a documentary about the volcano live where we get a whole backstory about the guy that walked across turns out he had like a whole life of like drug addiction and then he started cheating by wearing like two bigger shoes so he'd have an easier grip on the tightrope like this whole backstory just him walking across the volcano they could just and do it like, like those america therapy. ninja warrior background <laughs> videos which i i think american ninja warrior has only been watched by people who are bored on a saturday afternoon and or us. somebody at the gym <laughs> us as we're watching after the hockey game or basketball game we're watching yeah. and they cut to uh just dudes just trying to run across uh, big bouncing balls and like what adversity are you overcoming well i worked out a lot <laughs> that's every american ninja warrior backstory every now and then it is like a like somebody with some real adversity somebody who had to overcome something in life but for the most part it's just like yeah i've worked out real hard <laughs> Tim's 32 and he works out every day, but he overcame adversity in the last month. And it found like he didn't work out for three days because he got a rug burn. And it's like, yeah, got back on that horse though. And I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to do the obstacle course. I feel like they had a, uh, the, when we were doing it a couple days ago, they had, uh, they had like a couple 
come on and they had like this whole dramatic like five minutes where they're like yeah we just motivate each other pushing each other to the edge we're excited to see if we can advance in this in this uh tournament and everything and they both fucked up on like the first obstacle I'm like we well, guys <laughs> probably, you guys need to do more training because uh, maybe train with other people you guys don't know what you're doing uh, according to me uh all right last <laughs> last blurb uh, the batch has been showing a clip of Pete's mom, Barb, sobbing and telling Pete Barb. to bring her home. No one has any idea who the fuck Barb is talking about, but we'll JVR. see what it's all about next week. That would be a huge plot twist. You get JVR on the uh, the Bachelor, I might I might pay attention to it. Who, who else have we joked about the Flyers bringing home at this point? <laughs> uh, Tavares. Tavares. Tavares yeah, bring, yeah, Tavares. Bring, bring him home. home. Bring him home. Yeah. Barb said, "Gotta bring him home." <laughs> Barb. So, Barb's bring a her. JT fan. She loves Pajama Boy. Wanted her, wanted her to bring one home. Yeah. I, this is yet again. I really appreciate Ian's notes here. Uh, no one has any idea who the fuck Barb is talking about. I just. I think. I think I know. I think I know based off of my very limited bachelor knowledge and doing this recap at the end of our hockey podcast. It's the the I original that... Hannah from last year, probably. I... I'm hoping so. I'm thinking that's it. You know, that's got to uh, be it. It's got to be windmill sex or bust. Yeah. Man. By the way, have you had sex in a windmill since then? Have you uh, tried it out? Multiple times, yes. Tried it on for size? Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I've but, done it like I, Taylor, but yeah. <laughs> You have to do it on the, the blade of you the windmill. You just got to do it. Oh, okay. You're saying on the, okay, yeah. Yeah, well, that's where the, the challenge lies, right? Because if you're doing it in the windmill, it's like, who cares? <laughs> you're inside a building having sex. Great. But if you're doing it on a blade of a rotating thing, that's like, that's an endurance challenge. That's a public <laughs> shame challenge. There, there's so much going on. That, that's, I once you said that's my you, American Ninja Warrior is <laughs> windmill blade sex. Once you wow, said, like, what is what is going on with this one? You said you've gotta you've gotta do it every day, and I, or you've gotta do it, and I was like, you've gotta have windmill windmill sex every day. You've just gotta do it every day. One mil sucks a day keeps the doctor away, as they say. That's, so that is uh, a popular saying. Yes, that's very. It's very popular. It's, on volcano yeah, live. It's, on volcano, volcano live. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if Netflix is gonna have a volcano is blind, and then they're just gonna get. I don't even know what that show will be. Guess about. what? You just got you just got a ten episode offer from Netflix because they will literally put anything on. <laughs> they really. We could go God. pitch fly purbly, like a fly purbly show to them tomorrow and they would accept it because oh, they're like, why man. not tangy tent? God, if we did 10 episodes, I want to say six and a half to seven episodes would just be script of me reading off, like expect the goals for a percentage. Like that would be, <laughs> it'd be like me reading off stats, one episode of the batch update. And then like two episodes of actual analysis. <laughs> I know. There's, and then one episode where uh, you and I just pretend to be, Guy Fieri and just go around and like go around <laughs> to different restaurants and go, it's good. It's good. I just like, I just like doing the yelling of uh, wherever he is and then what they're trying. I'm down here in Baton Rouge and I'm trying the South's best version of curly fries. They're just like picking out random ass cities. So we're I'll do down here right in the now. volcano and we're eating the magma burger. <laughs> Let's go around oh, the league, buddy. Yes, around the league. All right. Alrighty. Uh, so left-handed defenseman Radim Simic uh, stays in San Jose. Signed a four-year deal worth uh, 2.25 million a year. 
Mike Green is out three to four weeks with an injury. I forgot to update that one. Chris Kreider is out four to six weeks after fracturing fracturing his ankle against the Flyers. So that uh, what is up with line, uh, guys getting hurt severely against the Flyers? Because yeah, they, that also happened with uh, Bo- uh, Bjorkstrand. Yeah, yeah, Bjorkstrand's out for a while too. He ran now. into the oh. brick wall known as Phil Myers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they should happen. I mean, also though, I guess that's not really a trend. I feel like the Blue Jackets—they apparently there's some rule like everybody has to get hurt every game. And speaking of, uh, Josh Anderson has undergone season-ending shoulder surgery. Everybody's hurt. Woohoo! Only only played 26 games this season. Hasn't played since December 14th. Uh, Will Butcher is out for the rest of the regular season with the Devils after having surgery to repair ruptured ligaments in his right thumb. As I mentioned earlier, Vatna didn't make the trip to uh, Philadelphia. Apparently, re-aggravated his injury from earlier in February. Uh, Steven Stamkos is out six to eight weeks after having surgery. Uh, matching the Claude Julian bit. Johnny Boychuk. Oh, yeah, Johnny Boychuk uh, needed 90 stitches to repair a cut he got on his eyelid after an Arturi Lekkanen Lekkanen skate caught him uh, up high. So How is there even pretty... room for 90 stitches on an eyelid? That is wild shit. Don't know. Uh, the video, like the play, I didn't watch the follow-up, but the actual skate going up to his face looked pretty bad. Yeah, Pretty painful. Uh, yeah. And then he also, I will say, did have a pretty good joke about how uh, he would have tweeted out a status earlier, but he had problems with his facial recognition, recognition to get on his phone. So I thought that was pretty good. Pretty good joke. And then also uh, Namita Nanda Kumar, uh, who has been running Natural Stat Trek, and I hope keeps running Natural Stat Trek, has been named the Senior Quantitative Analyst for Seattle's NHL team. Uh, friend of the show, hopefully. Friend of BSH. Uh, she's from here. Uh, and also has been working with uh, the Eagles Advanced Stats Department for the last couple seasons. So she may have had a role in the whole going forward and forth down stuff. But uh, just wanted to give her a shout-out because I use natural stat trick all the time, even though I'm told uh, NHL teams don't focus on advanced stats, and now uh, she has a job out in Seattle. So congrats to her. Very cool news, and uh, congratulations yeah. to yeah, Amita. That's uh, well-deserved. A ton of work, yeah. She she works pretty fucking hard, and uh, she's been making – obviously been making uh, – making a difference for a while now so i want to see what she does in seattle so it's kind of i mean it is exciting because she's out in seattle and tolsky's still in carolina so it is nice to know that they are the teams are paying attention to what's going on with these uh with these stats so that's what that's around the league steve and uh we can finally wrap this puppy up you can go to bed i can go to bed and the flyers can uh go back to uh, chasing the division there we go well so yeah that's me wrapping it up yeah that's you wrapping it up and uh i just wanted to have one quick shout out to mike milberry who might be the dumbest man alive saying that sean couturier is not the most important flyer my god are you a boob wait i will say tonight he did say the best team in the division is the flyers okay well that's uh, he's working his way but he's got to work back the voracek comment but working his way to smart good for him Working his way to smart. Now that's a Netflix show. That is a Netflix show right there. Wanna, yeah, that's like that's like Steve Carell just going around like being an idiot and doing. Well, I guess that's Steve much Carell it. is working his way to smart. Just him walking in the doors and stuff. So, <laughs> well, if you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad. Craig is appearing on about six hundred podcasts this week. Yeah, if you listen, whatever Flyers podcast you listen to over the next week, I, I guess I'm going to be on. So I believe I am filling in again on BSH Radio next week. 
Uh, I will also, I do want to write about AV and coach of the year. I do want to talk about the Flyers defense and all the scoring. Uh, nothing for tomorrow since it's 1230. Uh, but I do want to have that out early in the week next week. I also did write about how the power play was producing earlier in the week. If you want to go back and read that, even though there's now two games of new info for that, that is out there. But uh, that's uh, that's what I'm working on, Steve. That's uh, that's what I did. That's nice. what I want to do. Nice. Yeah, so. Nice. I'm, I'm right, nice. Jo- I might have to join you for one of these BSH radios before the end of the season. I might have to. Right. Okay. You let me know. We're, we're going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen. Right. We'll cross over without me asking anybody on the actual show for permission. <laughs> that's, yeah. None of them can listen this far. Horses, yeah, that's why. Well, you have to be an American Ninja Warrior uh, that competes in volcanoes to make it this far. So that's, that's a so feat of strength, saying. and uh, congrats to everybody who has made it. Uh, you can follow me at Fly Purpley or at Estevan, but for hockey purposes, please make it Fly Purpley because, uh, you know, that's that's the way it is. Things will never be the same. <laughs> All right. Here's the way it is. That's just the way it is. And that's that's just the podcast it was. I'm done. I'm very tired. We have to go or I will start deliriously ranting. Follow BSH Radio. Follow Broad Street Hockey. Like us on Facebook. Be sure to rate and subscribe. All that great stuff. Folks, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, good night and good hockey. Wow. 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 Hello, everybody. This is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell, and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah!